Welcome to the Cruise Control Podcast. Today's episode presented by Guru Club. Guru Club, a first-of-its-kind customer engagement and storytelling platform built for the new world where brands empower their shoppers to build their business. Shoppers simply make a purchase from a brand's website, wait for the product to arrive in the mail, mention that brand in an Instagram story of their purchase, and after 24 hours, boom, you get money back. Brands get word-of-mouth exposure, user-generated content, and a treasure trove of data about their customers. And you, the shopper, well, you get empowered to save money by posting on social media. If you want free money cash back from the brands you love, go sign up for free at guru.club. Once again, free cash back for just posting an Instagram story. It's as easy as one, two, three. That's sign up for free at guru, G-U-R-U dot club. Let's go. Don't stop. Why I come out on top, on top, on top, on top, on top, homemade. We gonna make it to the top, homemade. Welcome to the Cruise Control Podcast. I am your host, Crew Angel, alongside George Niang of the Utah Jazz. We got a great episode for you guys today as we head into the NBA playoffs. George, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Just, you know, locking in enjoying my uh, little free time that I have right now before we have to get rolling and start the playoffs. You've been on kind of a hot streak recently, huh? Been hooping. Ah, you know, every trash gets a steak. I'm just trying to keep it moving. Very, very humble. I appreciate it. Um, One, one of us has to be, man. Golly. No, no. Come on. I'm just messing with you. No, but seriously, I've been waiting my not whole life but whole covid life which seems like my whole life for this uh for this first round of playoffs it's gonna be sweet no this is gonna be awesome like i watched the the memphis portland game and just the energy that is gonna be brought for all of these games uh there's gonna be four games every day for a little bit here and i'm just excited you know to see the back and forth uh all the great games it, it's going to be exciting. These are going to be something worth watching for those fans out there. So everybody should tune in. We're honestly getting our fix of March Madness. That's what it feels like. Watching that play that play in game and the one before that, uh, Portland versus Brooklyn, like when their lives are on the line. Yeah. It feels like March Madness. Yeah. I think the best part when you're watching on TV is when you know that there's something on the line and these people are playing for something. Like that Memphis, like Portland game was like, Back and forth, even though the game was out of reach, six points, nine seconds left, like someone hits a three and you're like, oh, something crazy could happen. And uh, I'm ex- that's what I'm most excited about. So what about, we obviously feel it from our couches watching at home, but what's the no, energy well, I, like in the building? Um, How do you have playoff u- energy when it's empty? I mean, it's unique. I mean, they pump, uh, you know, fan noises in there. You can see people you know, virtually, you know, on the screens. Um, but I think everybody knows the magnitude of the situation. Everybody's down here competing for a championship and everybody feels like they have an equal opportunity because we're all in the same playing field. There's no real home games down here and everybody has to fight through the thing, the, the fact that they're not seeing their family, that they have to be away from home and everybody feels like they're in an even playing field. So everybody's out here competing at a high level that, Try to take home that championship. So what you're saying is the home team that gets to pump in their own noise that says, let's go jazz instead of nuggets, whatever that doesn't actually make a difference. I mean, 
I think when you're playing at someone else's arena, you can feel the energy sway naturally, of course. right? And you just can't fake that or fix that. You know what I mean? But at do the they? The but day, do they try? Do they try to replicate that? No, they do. Like someone misses a free throw, ah. Oh. But you know, it's just there's a difference between <laughs> being in an arena where there's eighteen thousand people. And then looking over and seeing every front office person from your team and the other 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 team and being like, okay, like let let's rock. I mean, the the rest of the stuff is just fake. You know what I mean? It, you're just you're focused on the the task at hand. And I think guys know what they're getting themselves into. The playoffs is a whole different game, more physical, more intense. Nobody's going to be resting. Uh, it's going to be exciting. What's your favorite uh, besides your own? What's your favorite series to watch? What's gonna What's the one that catches your eye the most? Mine's OKC Houston. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, you know, from just a pure talent standpoint, I think I'm gonna enjoy watching Dallas, uh, LA. I mean, Luca has just been sensational. Um, Paul George, Kawhi, um, you know, Lou Will. And Montrez is back. That'll be that'll be exciting. You you took you you came out of the top and picked the best series. I mean that's gonna be that's gonna be a heck of a one to watch. All in the ones in the West are good too. The East first round is weak. They're all sweeps. All four of them. You know here I just can't get on board with you just thinking everything is just so easy. No, the East the East first round is bad. Anyways. I got a golf update for you. What do you got for me? I took golf lessons for three hours a day last week. Still going to slice, slice the ball across the middle. No, to fix the slice, come inside out, whatever. We go to the course yesterday, shoot a 95. Uh, same uh, same horrible score, worse than even before. And he's, hey, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to beat me. He's going to beat me. With me giving me 25 strokes. No, I will not be disrespected. I think I could beat you at 25 strokes, but not shooting 95. I got shooting 80. Hey, go work on it, and I'll catch you next time. Quick uh, caveat. Sorry we missed our sorry we missed our episode last week. Had some technical difficulties. We had a great guest who will remain nameless for now, but uh, somebody on our production team, a.k.a. me, I'm not pointing any elbows. <laughs> Forgot to press record, so I just had to take the L on that one and move forward. Hey. You know, it happens. We're, the Cruise Control Podcast is like fine wine. We get better with age. Don't worry. Just stick with us. That being said, let's go to our interview today. RJ Hampton, baby. All right. We have future lottery pick, ex-New Zealand breaker, live from Dallas, Texas. RJ Hampton, what's up, man? Thanks for joining us. I well, appreciate you guys. Appreciate you having me. Man, RJ, you are probably the youngest cat to come on the Cruise Control podcast. Yeah. Um, but your your resume uh, speaks for itself. We kind of just want to dive right into this. Uh, you know, when did you kind of know that your path, uh, you know, to your dreams and what you wanted to achieve was going to be a little different than anybody else? Uh, I mean, just to give it over overview you started off is it it was little elm in in texas yeah uh, then you transferred to mont verde in florida nothing really changed i mean you were still averaging 30 
plus points a game, eight rebounds, right. four assists, a couple blocks. Um, and then you decided to forego college and go the professional route in Australia. When did that kind of figure itself in and, and for what reason did you did you want to do that? Um, I think my last year at a little on my junior year, uh, you know, me and my dad kind of decided, you know, high school, you know, really wasn't for me anymore. I kind of felt like, you know, I had proved everything I needed to prove, you know, to you know go to any college I wanted to. Um, and then it was just about, you know, right fit and right preparation for, you know, my dreams, like you said, in the NBA. And then uh, once we put those two together and then we just felt like the, the NBA was the best decision for me. So you had you had actually quite a few schools, colleges on your on your list, Kansas, Memphis, whatever else, when did you decide that you weren't going to go to, when did you let those schools know that you were going to go pro instead of playing for them? Probably like a week before. Uh, I, I didn't think I told Kansas. I didn't tell Kansas, but like probably like a week before my dad kind of reached out to the schools and were like, Hey, uh, you know, we're going to put out this top four. Um, this is probably not the route we're going to go. I know y'all have been hearing about, you know, different options uh, about going overseas and, you know, uh, you know, most schools, they were, you know, they were cool with it. Texas Tech, Coach Beard, you know, Coach Penny, Coach Mike, um, you know, they really supported me throughout it. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of crazy. I mean, when you think about it, like, what were your thoughts, man? Because, I mean, what, you're 17, 18 years old. Like, I remember I thought I knew what the world was like. And then kind of give us, like, what it actually was compared to, like, what you thought. Because I know you're thinking, kid from Texas, you know, I mean, I'm over there to New Zealand, go play basketball. And then... Right. What were your initial thoughts? And then what was the reality when you made it over, you know, to New Zealand and, and played with the Breakers and uh, in the NBL? I think my initial thought, like you said, you know, I'm 17, 18 years old. I'm thinking, you know, I'm just a random kid from Texas about to go play basketball to, you know, go accomplish my dreams. Uh, you know, when I get over there, it's just like a whole different type of world. You know, you got, you know, 10, 12, 14,000 fans at every game, you know, fans waiting outside the bus for you. You know, I'm just you know, used to playing AAU games, high school games, you know, different things like that. And then now you have like a whole big fan base that you kind of got to take a step back and say, whoa, this is what my life is, you know, about to turn into. Were you able to understand their accents when you were over there? Yeah, I could understand their accents. It wasn't even the accents that I had, like I had a problem with. It was just more the slang. Like what's the slang word they use? Um, Put another shrimp on a barbie. That's Australia. <laughs> As Australia. Nah, but uh, they would say like easy ass basically means like, all right, we're good. Uh, you know, like I say bet. Easy ass. So like easy and then AS. So they just say easy ass, cool ass. Weird. Very, very. So, but after you, after you went to New Zealand and then LaMelo did his thing as well, the next year, now you're seeing the G League do this thing where guys are going for a hundred grand or whatever. Was that an option for you too? It was an option for me to go to the G League, uh, you know, last year. But, you know, I really wasn't even feeling the G League at all. You know, I wanted to just do something a totally different path. Like, I knew I wanted to be in the NBA, and I felt like, you know, you know, that's my main goal. And, you know, nothing, no knock against the G League. But, you know, going to the NBL and experience a different type of culture of basketball, that was kind of like a big thing for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's super dope. I mean, I think everybody should be unique and, and choose their own path. You know, we're talking about – uh the G League and uh, you being in Australia, but I just want to talk about being New a professional. Zealand. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Australia, New Zealand, it, almost same thing. What do you mean? It, it, the league is in Australia, though. There's only that one team right. in New Zealand. Oh, I guess that's Man. true. Listen, I got a fellow Australian, Joe Ingles, and I probably watch 
more of your games on like late night flights at three in the morning because a couple of his buddies are like playing against you and he's like locked <laughs> in at the Bri the Brisbane Bullets or the Adelaide 36ers. You know what I mean, right. I'm like, I never heard of these teams until I'm sitting next to him on the plane and he's watching them. He's like, this this kid's good. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. I just want you to tell us a little bit about being a professional because some people would look at your stats and be like, oh, well, you know, he averaged like nine points, four rebounds. But they don't understand at that level, like these are grown men. Like you have to right. come in and fit a system. And those right. and when I talk to like Joe Ingles, he's like, no, those are like those are good numbers. Like, cause the way they play over there, the game is slower, the games aren't as long. Like people think that if you're not scoring twenty, then you're not you're not worth anything. So like right, what do right. you have to say about, you know, guys that, you know, are going from high school to professional where it's like you're not gonna go over there and average thirty, so don't expect right. that. No, yeah, I would definitely say, you know, if you're going to New Zealand or, you know, the NBL to play basketball, I would never expect you to go average 30 points. I mean, I was playing on a, a team with uh, Corey Webster. He led New Zealand and you know, he led FIBA in, you know, points per game. Scotty Hobson, uh, who was in and out the NBA and G League, uh, Henry, Israeli MVP. So, you know, I got guards on my team that I got to go and compete and practice against every single day just for a starting spot. And like you said, the game's a lot slower. I mean, they don't have a defensive three seconds rule, so... You know, we're playing uh, Sydney. Andrew Bogut's sitting in the paint the whole game. I mean, I know in the league it's, you know, three seconds, two nine, but, you know, he's staying in the paint the whole game. He's not coming out. So, you know, it's definitely a different feel. And, you know, that's definitely, you know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to, you know, in the NBA. The court's going to be a lot bigger, you know, a lot more spacing uh, than the NBA. Yeah, use use that uh, that vertical leap that you have and, and go dunk someone who's, who's trying to get out to. of the paint on some three seconds. Right, got to. Hey George, if you if you had it back, would you take would you take half a million dollars and then maybe a little more and some uh, shoe deal to to go play in New Zealand instead of Iowa State? Well, here's the thing: is is when you've just been great your whole career, uh, you know, like RJ has. I was like a late bloomer, so I needed that time to develop in in college. RJ, I, back when I uh, went to college a, a eternity ago, but I, I don't know that that that's a that's a tough, you know. I mean, because you don't know. How you want to play it? I mean, there's things that I've learned right. in college that have been some of the best experiences of my life. But there's also a point where it's like RJ has a chance for a small portion of his career to make a certain amount of money. And why would he waste doing that for for free when he's at the level where he can compete with professionals? I wasn't at that level, so that wasn't really a choice for me. So that was basically my development, college and playing for free. But I, I would say, I, I don't know, I don't think I'd be ready for that because at 18 years old, I was trying to figure out how many chicken fingers I could eat rather than how many jump shots <laughs> I was going to make. RJ, have, you had, have uh, you had high school kids reach out to you like saying they're thinking about it? They're thinking about going overseas or college or whatever? Oh, for sure. I think I've had every high school, every, I think every high school player that you've seen go to the G League um, or do a different round has asked me, you know, what I thought about the NBL or what I thought about just skipping college in general. And people keep talking about how the NCAA is kind of like possibly a dying, a dying establishment. Do you think that's true? Do you think more people are going to follow the kind of your path? Give us the real, man. Give us the real. I think I'd put it to you like this. I think a lot more five-star recruits, five-star high-level guys uh, will definitely start taking the path. But I don't think, you know, I think that college basketball is still going to have a lot of, you know, a lot of kids come uh, just because the fact that, you know, it's been the norm for so long. And I think it's really hard for, you know, kids to branch out and, you know, change that norm. Especially when they're getting paid anyways. Right. 
Hey now, hey now. We don't need to burst anybody's. But they paid me in meal swipes. They didn't even give me cash. They said you get extra. We meal could swipes tell. At we could. Hall. We could tell. Hey, uh, RJ, fact or fiction? You weren't a, a little nervous when this pandemic hit, not only for like your health and the health of the people around you, but you took a unique journey. And then the timeline kind of gets pushed back. You know, you were probably thinking, I get back from Australia or uh, New Zealand. You know. I get my workouts in, do my pre-draft workouts, and then I'm on to the right. NBA. Now you've literally had to take four or five extra months, you know, to kind of right. wrap your head around what's going on and where you're going to end up. And this is the toughest time because at least with the NBA team, like you have a gym, you have a plan, but you know, this is all on your own and you kind of have to just play that waiting game to figure out what your next step is. Right. Now, you know, you're definitely right about that. I mean, you know, coming back from New Zealand, I'm thinking I got four months until June 25th, you know, to go and, you know, report to whatever team I'm going to get drafted to. And then, you you know, you figure in the, the draft is in October. Now you got to, you know, totally refocus, you know, your whole plan. You got to come up with a different scheme, how you're going to attack different things. So, you know, it's definitely been challenging. But, you know, I feel like, you know, it's helped me because just, you know, getting better every day, that could only help me, in, you know, in the long run. So what are you doing now during the pandemic? Who are you working out with? What are you doing? You know, I, I'm in Dallas right now, but, you know, I'm back and forth between Dallas and Memphis. You know, when I go to Memphis, I'm working out with, you know, Penny uh, and Mike Miller. So, you know, they've kind of taken me under their wing. And then, you know, when I'm back in Dallas, um, you know, just working out with my dad and, you know, my uncle. It's crazy. You got to you got to find your own way because everything else is shut down. L.A., Miami, all sure. the normal spots. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 does a day in, in the life of, of R.J. Hampton look like, uh, you know, getting ready for the draft. I mean, a, a lot of people don't know what it's like uh, to be a potential lottery pick, but then again, there is also a pandemic. So how do you figure yeah. out one, how to, how to maneuver through your day to get your work in that you need to get better every day. And then also right. with the stardom that, that is about to come your way. Cause I mean, let's be real. You're not going to be able to, to duck it anywhere. I mean, people know who you are and yeah. you're going to be an NBA player and probably superstar here soon. You know, definitely. I think, you know, the, the typical day I have, you know, I wake up, you know, go lift. Um, after I lift, go get something to eat with my pops. Um, then we'll go to the gym, you know, we'll work out for about an hour and a half. You know, then we'll come back to the house, um, chill, you know, since the NBA game's been on, watch some like, you know, two o'clock, four o'clock games. And then, you know, back at night, we either go back to the facility that I work out at Prestonwood and Plano to lift or uh, we go back to, you know, shoot jumpers. It's a nice little okay. schedule. Uh, it's that's just, a, it's just kind of chill day. every day. Uh, that's a heck of a day. Uh, you know, obviously with the draft coming up uh, and your NBA career about to start, what are you looking forward to most uh, with being in the NBA, especially when you've come from, you know, another professional league? What are you looking forward to most uh, about the NBA and being an NBA player? Besides no dudes in the paint. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, definitely the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is kind of like just whatever franchise team I go to, like, you know, having that team and having that city on my back, you know, not you know, necessarily on my back, but having a whole kind of collective, you know, family that I could call my own, you know, coming from a small town in Little Elm, you know, everyone knew everybody. So it was kind of a family environment. And although I knew New Zealand was like a, a pit stop, you know, they were family too. But, you know, being with the team five, six, seven years, you know, growing with that team. Uh, that's that's big time. I got another one. I got another one. RJ, we know you're athletic. 
you're going down the lane. Who's the one person in the NBA right now that you want to dunk on? I got to know. Don't say me because nobody's going to give you nah. any cool points for that. No, nah, I ain't going to say you. But it's somebody on your team. Oh, me too. Oh, you want, dunk. You, want, you want the two-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert? That's what I want. That's what I, I want. need to see that happen. I need oh, to see that man. happen. That's what I, I want. I have, that, but that's, that's respect to him. I only did that because oh, he no. is two-time defensive. Yeah. For sure. If you're, if you're going to do it, you might as well go after the best. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I can understand yeah. that. Now then he would try to dunk on Daniel Tice. That's not happening. <laughs> oh. What? What? Nah, Tice is huge. Tice is nice. No, t- no, Tice is tough. I just learned about him this year. So he's tough. Okay. There's a lot of a lot of a lot of good play a lot of good players uh in the NBA. Cruz is very pro Celtic, if you if you don't know that. I just wanted to give yeah, you No, I'm not. Way. I'm not biased. Hey, you I see you rocking a Jackson Vibe shirt. I saw your tweet about right. Michael Jackson and Drake being the greatest ever. What's your obsession right. with Michael Jackson? You're too young. You're too young to love him that much. Nah, I'm not too and young. He, to love and he has a tattoo. He has a tattoo of him too, right? I do have a tattoo on my leg of Mike. Um, I think the not guess, obsession, but you know the you know the the fan of Michael Jackson really came in me like when I was younger. My dad used to always put on like Michael Jackson videos. My dad's a huge Mike fan, so like. My dad always tell me stories when he would go to Mike concerts. He's been, I think, like three or four, you know, Mike concerts. And just growing up, just listening to his music, you know, learning about how he was the greatest and how he became the greatest. That's kind of like, you know, why I love Mike like that. What's your favorite Michael Jackson song? Thriller? Oh, um, nah. <laughs> no. Uh, favorite Michael Jackson song would probably be Rock With You. What? It would be Rock, Rock With You. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that my favorite, that's my favorite Mike song. I think I think mine's Billie Jean. I like Billie Jean. Billie Jean a good song, good video. Billie Jean slaps. Yeah, it do. Well, Crew's gonna be telling his kid about how he was obsessed with Drake when his when his uh, when he has children. But Mike Jack is definitely uh, a legend. One that uh, I don't think anybody's gonna come close to. I've heard his concerts Never. and performances were out of control. Right. All right, man. Sure. Well. I think that's I think that's all we got today for you. I really appreciate you taking your time and, and no, stopping by with y'all. us. No, I appreciate yeah. y'all. RJ, thank you for stopping in on the Cruise Control podcast. Like you. I said, appreciate best y'all. of best best of luck to you uh, in the 2020 draft. Hopefully, it gets done by then, and uh, yeah. we'll see you soon up here in the NBA. Not for sure. Good luck in the playoffs. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Uh, see you, man. See you. I like him. Humble dude. It's cool. Love it. Real real solid. And and you know what I respect about him is that you could have said anybody that, you know, you wanted to like dunk on, but like he said, like no, that's all respect, but I just want to go after the dude that they say is the best. I think you you have to you and don't hate, like I know you're going to make that side eye, but let let's be real. A, a kid that is respectfully like eager and hungry, I think you got to have that to be successful in the NBA. Like you have to have like that that humbleness, but also that go-getter mentality. And I feel like by asking that one question, you know what I mean? You kind of got that. I'm a fan. I didn't know him much before, but I'm a fan. No, I'm a fan too. I'm just watching his highlights and, and kind of how he conducts himself. I feel like a kid could be special. We had a great episode. RJ Hampton, you heard it here first. I'm a fan. Um, I think the kid's going to be great. Um, we're out. 
Thanks. Thanks everybody for, for joining the cruise control podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.